Well, Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first episode of 2019. We are so glad you guys are back with us. And uh, I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is Reconcinimation, uh, your podcast where we're talking about the movies, our favorite movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. How do they hold up today? Do they hold up today? And uh, we've got a very special episode coming up today. Before we get into that, we want to thank our pals, as always, Curtis Moore for the great artwork. Thank you, Curtis. And our good buddy, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme song. Thank you, E.K. And we have a very special announcement. E.K. Wimmer has a new podcast himself. Oh. So if you guys are listening to this show, you must be into nostalgia, all things 80s, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, of course. And that is what his show is all about. It's called Laser Graves. And you can find it at lasergraves.com. And on the Podbean Network. So please yeah. check that out. Uh, give him a shot. It's an amazing show by an amazing guy. Yeah. Him and his partner, they've got a few episodes up now and uh, more to come. So uh, check it out. And uh, I know I'll be listening every week. And if David's listening, you better be listening. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> And if you've been liking our show, we had a great holiday season, uh, please check us out on, uh, on iTunes. Give us a five-star review give us a, or a five-star rating, a nice little review there. Yeah. The more we get, the more it boosts the show. Come on, so, please. Yeah. You can do it. I it believe in you. It takes, takes 30 seconds out of your day. Please. It's going to be amazing for us. So. We would love it. Uh, yeah, please give us a chance there. And now... Let's get to the show. The reason we're here. Not to bring the house down, but mm. we did lose a very special filmmaker uh, back in December. We did want to acknowledge that here, and we're dedicating this episode to her. And that's the great Penny Marshall. Yes. Uh, one of our favorite comedian, actor, director uh, types Who's who was a pioneer, a groundbreaker um, for, for a lot of things. And uh, it was just sad. It was sad news to, to hear last month um, when she had passed. Cause it's, she was always a, uh, just someone you, you can always rely on. Like, yeah. it's like, cause we grew up like Laverne and Shirley was on the reruns were running her movies, like our perennial favorites for, for a lot of people, certainly me. Um, and uh you just you don't sometimes you just don't think about like why that people die yeah and of course and and you know you know we always say it but like too soon you know just who knows you know so wow yeah she was she was just she was always there she was like whether she was in front of the camera or had moved into the directing realm she always had she always had a presence yeah even like the weird appearances that she did on on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. with. Wasn't it with was it with Rosie O'Donnell? Uh, or there I was think, a couple of people she did like a few appearances with. I think so. Yeah, she. I, I know that yeah. she did it, and yeah. I can't. <laughs> I actually can't picture it. Like that's that's the funny thing I know too. She was I in wish it was Sherry O'Terry and uh, yeah, she she popped up a few times, but she was always around. You can. She would show up unexpectedly. I think sometimes. Yeah. Uh, after her career, like because she hasn't directed a film in a number of years. And, yeah. And it's not like she had any regular acting work. Like she didn't have to. You know, she she probably she did what she loved 
outside of you know hollywood i think and yeah it was more like well it's like a treat when penny showed up yeah Everybody loved her too. I mean, yeah. it was she always got great reactions, and I think the last thing she showed up on was the was the Matthew Perry Odd Couple. Yeah, which is n- like nice on what nice way to honor her brother. Yeah, and like her old role on that show. Yeah, uh, which, nice callback to the beginning of her career. Yeah, and I didn't watch a li- I didn't I watched a little bit of that new Odd Couple when it was on, just because uh, Matthew Perry and uh, the other guy Thomas Lennon Thomas Lennon. Um, the great Thomas Lennon. Very good. But I caught a little bit of it, but I, I haven't watched a lot of shows. But it's uh, it was nice to see uh, clips of that when we were after Penny had died, that um, that she showed up to sort of honor a legacy yeah. uh, with that show. But uh, can you take us back, though? I mean, uh, yeah, let's, let's go back to we know what she's sort of her impact today, you know, how we feel about her today. But, you know, where did she come from? Yeah, we're. We're going to talk about her for uh, the first portion of the show, and then we're going to kind of move into probably her greatest film. Yeah. Um, for sure. Well, that's mm, arguable. Let's, but yeah, we'll debate it harshly. Two. It's going to be a heavy debate. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of things thrown. Yeah. She was born in the Bronx in 1943. Her dad was an industrial filmmaker, and she was named after Carol Lombard. Mm. If, uh, everybody who remembers who Carol Lombard was, she was a great... A great actress from the 40s, married to 30s and 40s. She was married to Clark Gable, who's kind of the love of his life, and uh, uh, yeah. passed away in a plane crash. But um, yeah, she was so she was Carol Penny Marsh, Marshall, yeah. right? Uh, yes, and sister of Gary the Great, also late great Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall, who passed away about two years ago, yeah. 2016. 2016, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which that was another loss. And if we had a podcast, then we would have definitely done yeah. a Gary Marshall tribute. And it's too late to ever do that. Well, we could ju- I guess we just can't. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> too much time has passed. We can't honor him or his work. <laughs> I mean, I've been pushing for a Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> and New Year's Too Eve late, episode. not in our time frame. Yeah. <laughs> but Overboard, that's a different story. Hello. <laughs> uh, but Penny was a tap dancer uh, at a very young age, and then she started teaching tap dancing uh, as she grew up in New York. Eventually, she moved to New Mexico, went to UNM, so very close to my old stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. We In another life, we could have been very, very close. So the... University of New Manhattan? New Mexico. Oh, named okay, so it's based on the state it's in. <laughs> Correct. Okay, got it. You got it. All right, cool. Uh, there she uh, met her first husband and had a daughter named Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, later called Tracy Reiner, uh, after she was adopted by uh, Rob Reiner when, when Penny and Rob uh, got married. Yeah. Eventually she moved to L.A. She started working with Gary. Uh, who was a writer on the Dick Van Dyke show. So his career was kind of blossoming as a young writer, and she finally made the move and was able to you know, tag team with him and uh, start her own career. She started acting commercials. She did a head and shoulders commercial with Farrah Fawcett that was kind of, uh, kind of showed the, the hill that a lot of females had to climb. Hmm. And what they what they were kind of up against. So in the commercial, Penny it was Penny was meant to be the kind of not so glamorous one, and Farrah was the opposite. She was the superstar glamorous yeah. uh, looking one. Penny had the stringy hair. She was labeled. They put a label on her that said "Homely Girl." 
Holy cow. Yeah. And Farrah had the, you know, that Farrah Fawcett, that bouncy, beautiful, attractive head of hair. And uh, she was just labeled pretty girl. Yeah. Well, so, that, how, how a nice way to. Yeah. What a role. Don't, don't give them names or anything. Yeah. They have no personalities. They're just homely and, yeah. and pretty. And that was just part of we were going to talk about the struggle that um, female females in the film industry had to had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, in, you know, as we get to the uh, film, we're going to get to the struggle that they had. Mm-hmm. But Penny saw it right away. As soon as she got in the business, she had to she had to fight to give herself a name and, and make make a, a career for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she started appearing in small films, guest TV appearances she tried out for All in the Family, but lost out to uh, Sally Struthers. Oh, for so, Gloria? Yeah. yeah. So, which would have put her, you know, on on screen with uh, Rob Reiner, and with they were Rob. already together at that point. Yeah, they they were married for about 10 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, like kind of film. all through the 70s. So. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, but she lost out on that, but didn't take, she just, she knew that part wasn't for her. She was going to stick it out, and eventually something was going to, something was going to land. So when Gary became an executive producer on The Odd Couple, she actually landed a recurring part of the secretary named Myrna. Yeah. So that was her first big exposure on on camera. Recurring role on a major show, finally getting attention. The audiences were definitely getting behind that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't a I remember the show and I remember the character, but not that well. But I remember it being kind of a, a bigger part mm-hmm. during certain parts of that show. Eventually, she got so popular, she started appearing on more and more TV shows and movies. She was on Bob, the Bob Newhart show, the Mary Tyler Moore show. So the projects she's involved with are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, finally, Gary was uh, doing multiple shows, Happy Days, oh boy. which was one of the biggest shows in TV. Yeah, huge. Yeah, huge show. Uh, he was running that, and they came up with the very first time we saw Laverne and Shirley, who were just dates for uh, Ron Howard and Henry Winkler. Mm-hmm. They were so popular in the episode that they were in that immediately the network knew that they had something there, and mm-hmm. they could spin that off onto their own show. Yeah. And that was what gave birth to Laverne and Shirley. That's where they came from. They're a Happy Days spinoff. There's th- how many of the three spinoffs of Happy Days? Four? Is it Mark, Mark and Mindy? Mark and Mindy, yep. Laverne and Shirley. And, well, yeah. do you call it Joni Loves Chachi is one? You do. I and, feel like there's... And then wasn't there one with, like, B. Arthur or something? There's, what, Maude? <laughs> Not Maude. Was Maude a... I don't know if Maude was No, Maude was a, um, an ar- uh, Archie Bunker uh, spinoff. All in the Family All in the Family, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. So. But there was another one with didn't Pat Marie did Pat Marita have a spinoff or the oh, maybe the cook? I thought there was another Al maybe. <laughs> did yeah, Al have a I show? Don't... Al's place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he just he moves to a different city and sets up shop. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean, so yeah, and and then well, that show was on the air for like seven years, right? Or yeah, seventy six to eighty three on ABC. It's huge. Uh, was the number one show in seventy seven and seventy eight. It was a huge show. Besides Mary Tyler Moore, it was the first show, I believe it was the first show besides Mary Tyler Moore that was total female leads, Mm -hmm. it was their show, about women, not, they're not the supporting roles, they're not backing up males, right, 
there it's their show yeah not it's not quite like the donna reed show where you know she you know uh, uh, donna reed was like a homemaker in a sense but obviously a strong character but she her job was you know her, with her husband and her kids like this is about women living their lives it's about yeah women and her mostly male family yeah that she's has to take care of yeah 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 but they're they're the comedy comes from they're driven they're driving the comedy yeah. i mean obviously like all the everyone on the show is funny and crazy yeah like lenny and squiggy and, and oh yeah but so it's uh but it, they're they're the driving force they're the ones you're spending your time in their apartment yeah you know so many great appearances on that show uh, they were funny. I mean, they were legit funny. Yeah. When I have rewatched those episodes, it's it actually kind of holds up. It's it doesn't really age that that badly. Yeah. Um, but very important show. Uh, it was a very big show for women, especially. Mm-hmm. The theme song. How do you not love that? It's wonderful. Oh my god, I would sing it. But you're a bad singer. I'm a bad singer. So. <laughs> Don't let that stop you. Although I was just told recently by someone very close to me that I'm actually a good singer. Oh. So maybe I should... Uh, I don't think I've actually heard <clears> you <throat> sing, like attempt, like legitimately sing. Well, we might have to change that. Yeah. We'll go karaoke and we'll try it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You only need about seven uh, vodka cranberries. Oh, be brave. Uh, but after the show was kind of wound down and was, was canceled in 83 after... Uh, Cindy Williams, who played Shirley, had left the show, and they had, there was kind of a falling out for a while between Penny and her. Yeah, uh, Cindy had gotten pregnant, and basically just l- like left the show. Ooh. She got pregnant against the network's wishes. Yeah, you can't get pregnant. <laughs> you can. you don't get pregnant in TV. <laughs> You're under contract. Well, she did so, not care about that. <laughs> but I think they made 178 episodes, you know, in total. So it's They did basically a season and a half without Shirley. It was it a season and a half? Yeah. Wow. Uh that I didn't realize. They yeah, Shirley left, they finished one season and then did another, I think short last season. Yeah. Uh that that you know, you, they knew the time time was up. They, yeah, it's run its course. Yeah, they sense. tried to spin off and that didn't really work either. Uh, and by this point, uh, Penny's acting career, I think she was she had bigger prospects in mind. And, and yeah. she, was, she had started directing Laverne and Shirley episodes, mm-hmm. amongst other shows in the early 80s, and, and saw that that was where her career was really going, yeah. where she could make an even bigger impact. Yeah. So she segued into film, feature film directing and did some huge movies. Mm-hmm. She started out with Jumping Jack Flash, yeah, with Whoopi. Yeah, with Whoopi. In 86 or so? Yeah. And then uh, jumped over to Big. Big, which is just a, probably a surprise hit, I think. I think that was, a, that was a, yeah, I agree. Uh, Tom Hanks wasn't a household, not, he was a household TV name, but he wasn't a yeah. huge film star. I mean, he had done Splash, a couple other movies. Yeah, he, he, he was a go-to sort of comedic actor lead. But it's not like a A-lister status, right. in a sense. But uh, you, people love people know and love Tom Hanks. Yeah, and but Big was the first, other than Splash, Big was the first movie that really, really made him a star. Yeah, it was a, his first real major success, and it's got the the iconic scene where he's dancing on the piano that everybody remembers. Yeah, with Robert uh, and it's Loggia, a, and it's a great, sweet story. Yeah. Robert uh, Loggia, right? Robert Loggia. Yes, yeah, thank you. The late Robert Loggia. R.I.P. 
the we're gonna we're gonna jump over the movie we're gonna talk about shortly. Mm-hmm. After that, she did Awakenings with Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. uh, Renaissance Man, Preacher's Wife, Riding in Cars with Boys. So some some really big movies all yeah. the way through the nineties. Yeah. But that's like that's it. She only had those six films in her career. Yeah, I don't. Did we actually say the name of the show? Or the, nope, the not movie? yet. I'm okay. holding it. Okay, you're holding. Everybody back. knows already. All right, because you're you're gonna have a big sound cue of explosions <laughs> after we say it. Fireworks. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the the biggest film that she did is is what we're covering now, and it's a League of Their Own, yeah. 1992. Wonderful film. Huge movie. Uh, so many people have it as their one of their top sports movies for sure oh yeah uh a lot of people consider it the best one of the best baseball movies ever made i uh that's probably true there's there's dozens of movies that are the baseball is the focus and i think this is the one that just has it's one of those top like three just always going to be yeah in your in your list yeah it's just a it's just a solid film about ball players uh, yeah, and, you know it's more than that, but it's it's very it's perfect. What it's like to be on a team with this family that you create, um, and but obviously the thing about a league of their own is about women baseball players, yeah, and, and they're the central focus of the whole thing, and um, almost no other baseball movie really focuses on multiple female characters. <laughs> you know yeah. that's that's not baseball is a, a men's sport, and and for the most part, um, and particularly back then. Uh, the, the time period that it's uh, focused on during yeah. the war, during the war, so uh, this one like I had never even I didn't even know that there was a women's league yeah. for ten like almost it's ten unreal. years. Yeah, I had it, no clue. This is based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, it's slightly fictionalized in that they took a lot of different real life characters, and like so often happens in in Hollywood, they merge a lot of the characters and take different stories from the, the real teams and kind of merge them in all into the Rockford Peaches. Yeah. Which was a real team. Yep. But not necessarily with all these players on it. Yeah. Uh, but it was about the formation of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, uh, which was a real league from, I believe it was, it was 40, 1943 to 54. Oh, yeah. Was the kind of run of it. Yeah. So um, that's a long, you know, that's a long haul. Yeah, that's for yeah. ten years for one sport. That uh, and it's funny because the way they sort of presented in the film is that it almost wasn't going to go beyond one year. I mean, I don't know exactly the turmoil of the you know if if it was going to be an easy decision or not, but it seems like something that would not have survived. Um, but like I think Penny Marshall said, she had seen a documentary about it, and then she had never heard of it, and she yeah. you know and she was alive when that league existed. Yeah. You know, she was a kid, but. And it's not like obviously you don't, the games aren't on TV or anything, but she's like, I never heard of it. So if I never heard of it, you know, this is a story that needs to be told. Yeah. So it was. I, I think if you were outside of the Midwest, I don't think, especially back then, there wasn't. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think was there an internet. Uh, was there a time without the internet? <laughs> I can't recall. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> no, but I, news. It, it took a lot more for news to travel, and I'm sure there was sexism was rampant then i mean there's it's still here now unfortunately sexism still alive mm. in america hate to say it oh but, boy uh but yeah there were so i i'm sure there were sports casters mm-hmm. tv producers who 
didn't want to cover that, didn't want that getting out, didn't want to help that league grow, even though it was doing well for a time. Yeah, just sort of shunned, like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's still girls' baseball. Not, yeah. not, not really worth the attention. Um, and obviously re- regional uh, kind of thing. I'm sure yeah. there's, like, it's kind of like minor league ball. Like, you wouldn't necessarily know about the minor league teams yeah. in the Northwest if you're from the South. I think it started out as... I think it grew from about four teams to ten eventually. Mm-hmm. So it did grow over the years. But, yeah, it was mostly in the floating around the Midwest area. They didn't really go to the West Coast or the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, Illinois, Indiana, like those kind of uh, central states. But, mm. uh, but yeah, this it was a uh, – the film follows the Rockford Peaches and the trials and tribulations of – all the female characters on that team and their manager mm-hmm. as they, you know, as this league gets going off the ground and if it's going to actually take the place of Major League Baseball, could it? Could that even be a possibility? Right. Uh, would they let it be a possibility? And uh, how these characters react to the to everything as it goes through. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it takes place over the course of the formation in that first season. Yeah. Uh, for the Peaches. And uh, you spend a lot of time with such great characters uh, yeah that you can't help but just sort of you fall you fall in it like it's like you're in it with them yeah for a long for a lot of it great characters and for a lot of these actors in this movie i feel like this is their greatest role yeah or close to it yeah gina davis who like What's her? I mean, when when you when you think of her, of Gina Davis, what do you think? Of, what's like right off the bat? Beetlejuice, yeah, uh, and League of Their Own. Beetlejuice, League of Their Own, Thelma and Louise. Thelma, oh, of course, Thelma yeah. and Louise, yeah, just. Uh, but Madonna, this is certainly her greatest acting. Oh my God, she's great! She's in this. great in this movie. <laughs> she's really good. Yeah. Uh, just watching it now, I was just kind of blown away. I'm like, she's she's really good. Yeah, she's perfect. I'm used to the Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a body of evidence. I think is the movie she was in like a couple years after this. So uh-huh. just ugh, no, no thanks. Who's who's that girl? Who's that girl? <laughs> Desperately I... seeking Susan. Is that right? Was that her? Was she in that one? Uh, who's uh, that girl? I know she was. In. Yeah, that was like her first one. Yeah, I think right. I think she's in Desperately Seeking Seeking Susan. I believe you. It's her and uh, Rosanna Arquette. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but. I remember the when I saw this movie, it was 1992, saw it in the theaters at the Jefferson Valley Mall, where I often went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was funny. I got the jokes, but I was 12, and I didn't really get how big of a, how important of a movie it was, right. what it was really showing. It was, it was, you know, to me it was just, it was a good comedy, but I didn't really get the bigger picture. Uh, I was just, the whole time I remember just thinking... Why isn't there more Tom Hanks? Oh, really? <laughs> isn't isn't he? Isn't this his movie? You you were led to believe that kind of the way they promote it, for yeah, sure. Which we're gonna get to later the promotion of the movie, but yeah. But when you watch the film, yeah, I mean, I had seen it in the theater, loved it, and then I probably seen it. I've seen it only a few times more since uh, since, and then you know for this podcast. And uh, man, is it just it just sucks me in. It's just uh, such an enjoyable yeah ride, and yeah, and it is funny. Yeah, like you said, you you were laughing along with it, but I mean, there's like there's so much heart and just, and the comedy just comes from an earnestness to, 
from all the characters. There's no, there's no like jokes kind of like there's just people interacting, you know, yeah, they're it's all funny about their relationships. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's what, uh, what Penny was kind of good at showing like real heart, real character and that there's comedy in everyone's life in a sense, like even in those hardships, I mean, tragedy strikes different characters, um, in the film and, you know, they have to kind of separate and deal with those tragedies, but, the you know, life continues and you just everyone has their own trials and tribulations and difficulties and this movie doesn't like attempt to over dramatize any of those trials like they're presented and especially the central conflict with Dottie and Kit and uh, and Dottie and Jim Jimmy Dugan for a minute yeah. uh, it's just uh and then just baseball versus fans you know women's right. baseball versus fans so there's yeah. um and there's just an earnestness to, to everything that happens um, that presents that comedy. Yeah. So, that's so penny. <laughs> that's so penny. But it was a really, the movie is important. It's a really, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it, it was a really, really the first time the door was sort of open to this subject and the uh, discrimination against women mm-hmm. that it was, she was just putting it out there that yeah. here it is right in your face, a whole movie about it, a movie that you're going to love yeah. about it without really realizing it. Yeah. It, it's, it's not there to teach you a lesson. It, yeah. it does, it does that, but it's not, it's not some sort of, well, now I'm going to show you what you, you've been ignoring. Like, yeah. no, like here's a plain dramatization of, of, of reality. like, this is what it was, you know, this is what it's like. And they're not, you know, the oppression and uh, stigmatization and all of that of these women ballplayers um, and women in general in society, uh, it's presented as just fact. Like this is how the world works. And then you just, you just see past that and just see how these women are just are real people. And they are, you know, they're not trying to change society. You know, they're not trying to upend everything, but they're trying to exist. Um, And I think that's, and that that isn't to take away the any kind of strive toward toward change, but it's just like these are people living their lives, and look how different it was. Yeah, it's it's a different take than that would be if it was done today. It would be done totally different. <laughs> I don't think. What do you it, think? I don't think this movie would be done like a comedy today. No. No, I think it would be a serious oppression film. Yeah, you know, struggling the women struggling and fighting against that. Mm. I don't think it would be done as a com- lighter comedic take, which was for marketability. I mean, a really smart move for yeah. Penny to make it a comedy. Right. So many more people are going to go see it and support the movie than if it was presented as as a you know a harsh kind of downer movie. Yeah, I mean if if she decided to depict the, the the harsh realities of of these women in in this league and in America and all that, like it, those existed and she kind of pushes them aside for the to say, well, they can still it's like it's sort of like mash or something. Like there's still I'm still going to show you the comedy and these honest people. Um and that's that's still more entertaining and I can still tell you their story without having you to well, you having to like be pulled down by yeah. how heavy the struggle was for all of them. Well, she's making a movie, 
Right. <laughs> and not like a, you know, especially, I mean, this is such a product of the 90s when you watch it. Mm, yeah. You know, they don't really, I don't feel like movies are made. I, I've probably said this before on the show, but I don't feel like movies are made now like they were in the 90s. No. It's, it's very um, straightforward. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge amount of depth in the movie. Right. It's very, uh, it's a simplistic style storytelling style yeah well that's sort of like everything's on the nose or most you know most of it's right on the nose and yeah there's no twists right shocking like under you know shocking secrets that have been sitting there that that come out and change everything right you didn't do that for this for this kind of story or back then you know yeah or yeah you'd probably have to have like some real dramatic crazy stuff if you did it today yeah because you you know but i think it's because a movie like this exists is that you can do you can update this this story like do a you could do it do a new league of their own in a sense yeah you know along the same spirit of it but show show how difficult it was show um and i think that could be as you know entertaining in, in its own way yeah it depends on who would be doing it really yeah and what you know what's the point what is the story being told um and maybe, I don't know, maybe it isn't that, like, necessary even, just as things have moved forward. Like, it's not about, it, it's good at, in a historical way to look at, but I think now the stories needing to be told are, what do women face in the modern era today? Right. You know, I mean, obviously the women, every previous generation of women dealt with their own <laughs> trials and tribulations and uh, should be celebrated, you know, in with those stories. Um, but if you're going to talk about women's struggles, why not in a modern context? Um, and I think that's um, modern context with honoring the past. Yeah. Um, I think if we like we were more chill these days, <laughs> you could go back and it'd be worth a look. Uh, yeah. That may, you know, uh, not that I say, hey, make your movie. If you want to make this story, go for it. But um, anyway. Yeah, it's it's harsh times right now politically in the world and yeah. I don't know, I got very nostalgic. <clears throat> excuse me. What rewatching this just nostalgic for the way movies were in the 90s and and before that that like it could it could just take you out of your you know, you could have 2 hours of enjoyment that would took you out of the political you know, every all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah. Um this movie was able to do that, but still kind of teach you something at the same time. Yeah. Uh, now it's a little, it's like the entertainment is about that. We're a lot of the entertainment we're seeing involves the political stuff that's happening, especially in this country right now. Right. So you can't avoid it. And at this point in the nineties, I mean, what was the big movie that just came out? 92 was like, I don't know. Do you remember? Uh, female driven, not female driven, but uh, female co-starring movie. Very, uh, oh. almost the opposite direction of this movie. Basic Instinct. There you go. Young Sharon Stone. Yeah. So you've got that hmm. movie, Basic Instinct and A League of Their Own coming out <laughs> in the same year. Yeah. Two polar opposites as far as, uh, you know, feminism especially. Hmm. One's kind of, you know, working, just completely working the 
uber sexual angle mm-hmm. as hard as you can push it i mean that was that was they pushed it right to the line yeah of what you could do in a uh in a rated r feature movie yeah aggressively done so yeah um, but of course, we also had Sister Act this year. We did. You're so, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're all over the place. So it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's there's a spectrum of female-driven, female-starring, yeah, uh, films. Don't forget, of course, Alien Three. Well, I was gonna say they're uh, just trying to think of who the big female stars were mm-hmm. at the time. You got Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. for the all the all the Alien movies, right? And Linda Hamilton for especially mostly for Terminator Two, yeah, where she's considered a, you know, a dominant force in that movie, and yep. not just, not just a female sidekick, yeah, or the 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 one that needs to be rescued, right? You know, she's she. I mean, I remember everyone just losing their minds over Linda Hamilton and in T two. Oh, awesome! Like she's like you know that tank top loading a gun and then. With Dress- one arm, like <laughs> cocking that shotgun. Oh, and the, yeah, the the thrilling conclusion. Uh, her uh, dressed as Janet Jackson in Rhythm Nation when she goes to assassinate <laughs> Miles Dyson. Uh, you know, Miles Bennett Dyson. But it's something of like the strength of women uh, being shown as well. She's strong because she's acting like a guy, right? And that's and that's a symptom that continues even today. I think it's changed a lot in the last few years. Yeah, but it's like. This was the way, like, this is like women in business. Women in business were respected when they act like men. They sort of dress like men. Yeah, because they, well, you know, know they got to wear their power suits. Yeah. They, you know, they have to act like men. That's the only way men will recognize it. And I think that in in, in the entertainment world, well, well, you have A League of Their Own and Sister Act and other, and not just these movies, but something that's going to stand out would be like a Linda Hamilton or, right. you know, an ass kicker. Yeah. I, um, Acting but out of like all the action movies, out of all the action movies that came out of the 80s and 90s, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, there are basically two that jumped out <laughs> right, yeah. that had a female lead. Yeah. And even Linda Hamilton, you're sharing that it's it's Arnold's it, movie and she's yeah. she's sharing it with him. But And Arnold has like 88 lines or something like or something oh, yeah. crazy or something really small. And they're all catchy one-liners. <laughs> she doesn't get any of them. Yeah. He she, gets all She doesn't them. get the quips. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, it's an interesting time for like early '90s movies. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's a uh, you, you you wouldn't you don't see these kinds of movies anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this movie, you know, they're trying to they're trying to do what men do, but keep their femininity, mm-hmm. whether that's forced on them or whether them, that's doing them doing it on their own. The whole scene with the with the wardrobe that's being forced upon them. Yeah, none of them want to wear that. That's not functional for baseball. Yeah, you can't play baseball in a skirt. Yeah, I mean they got the scene where one of them slid and you see that huge bruise. Oh my god! A that happened all the time. Of course. And B that was an actual that was that, that actress's actual bruise and they just used that oh rather my god. than having to do the makeup. Like no okay, kidding. now we're ready to shoot this scene. Wow! Did she get it from doing a sliding? Scene? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Everybody did their own stunts in the movie, except Gina Davis did some of them. But yeah. there were certain shots that obviously she was she couldn't do some of some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, being the catcher, she took that's uh, taking a lot of hits. So yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily going to have your leading actor or actress take those kind of hits. But yeah. 
Unless you're Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler or something. But. Oh, man. <laughs> wrestler. Oh, so good. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, women in the 90s at this point were, were really, they were just, you know, viewed very sexually. Uh, I think there was a, there yeah. was an increase, and Basic Instinct was a big part of that. There was an increase in the sexual uh, promotion of women because mm-hmm. you had showgirls. I mean, even though that was a bomb uh, of a movie, definitely made an impact. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it just kind of grew into the from the nineties into the two thousands. But but I think it's something of like that sexuality and every sexualization and everything is like. These are still movies being made by men. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like, these are men making movies that for other men, in a, sen- in a sense. Totally different eye with Penny Marshall, a female directing this. Yeah. I, w- I really wonder how this movie would have done if it was directed by a man. It'd be totally different. The, yeah. to- the tone of, even if it was it remained the comedy, the script was kind of stayed the same, there'd be, uh, it would be totally different in terms of how everyone relates, a lot of things would probably be relating more to how Jimmy Dugan feels or any, any, or Lowenstein or like a little more like how many, how many sex scenes would have been in it if a guy had directed it? <laughs> At least one, oh, there, but there, there isn't one exploitive shot that no. like and an exploitive in the sense of like, we don't need to see this, um, but we're going to show you anyway. Right. She doesn't she, like no woman was, would do that for a woman yeah. like on screen. Yeah. Um, you know, guys think men do that. Kind of, I mean, the '80s was so many exploitive shots of women, and I mean, movies oh, yeah. through the '90s just still like there's no real reason we need to see her nude here or or topless, but from behind, yep. so it's titillating. Or like, topless, you know. I mean, even Beverly D'Angelo in Vacation. Yeah. Just do you have? Did we have to have? Not that you, we didn't. You know, the, I get why they had the shower scene in there, but like, did you have to see her her breasts? Right. No, no, no. What's the point? But it was all over in the especially the eighties. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is not a movie that like you, you. I mean, you see them in their dressing room, you know. In the, yeah, but it's all tastefully done. Yeah, and they're you know they're wearing period, you know, uh, undergarments and everything. So it's not like there, but there's no sexualization. There's no focus on it, and it's and it's very like, I don't know, just, and I think like if a guy directed this, you'd see like. Tom Hanks kind of like half nude at some point or yeah. something like here's the joke we'll we'll give you you know we'll make we'll make sure one of the guys has to just like who gives a shit yeah <laughs> like people change clothes every day like yeah. we don't need to depict it it's like showing people going to the bathroom well this movie has a a, ba- a going to the bathroom scene which is quite funny it is a good scene yeah um, but uh you know you don't need to show characters eating because it's lunchtime or going to the bathroom or changing their right. clothes anyway uh and uh, this movie does does none of that shit. But and not to segue here, but please. Not only me. is it a, a female driven movie, but it's a female driven sports movie. Yeah. How many of those were there? Have there been even since then? I don't know. Bend it like Can't, Beckham. Be, that's yeah. Bend it like Beckham is one. Uh, Off the top of my head, just like. Quickly thinking, I can't think of any others. I know there there must be a couple. I'm but. sure there are. Um, but like it's, I mean, you have to. Depends what you're talking about. Like, is like bring it on a sport. It's basically a sports movie. Cheerleading, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a yeah. But uh, I mean, but this is none the of these top. movies reach a mainstream or you know sort of 
they would pop in your head immediately if they, they exactly that's appeal. what I mean. Like this is the one. Yeah, and it ranks up there. So many people rank it up. You know, like I was saying earlier, rank it up as one of their top sports movies. Yeah, I I'm I'm with that. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, they do a, they do a great job of of depicting the baseball in the movie. You know, the, the mechanics of of baseball. Yeah. Um. So it works. It works on multiple levels. There's some. Yeah. I mean. And you can tell that everyone, they're all playing those games. Like they're all, those are all, and I mean, you, and you go and you read like, what do they do to prepare? And like they, their training camp was months and long days for weeks at a time over the course of months to make sure they looked authentic. Like they, they had to be ball players. Yeah. These actresses had to become ball players, and they, you know, they played games against each other just to get B-roll for montages. Yeah, yeah. Like, like how cool is that? That they played the game. Um, and there was, I'll tell you the, the climax of, you know, the montage going through the world series and then, um, and then as the, the game's getting toward close, I mean, the tension of it, the action of it, I mean, this is a great action film, like action sport film, like with Hans Zimmer's score, like taking you through it. And his, his, his like jazzy score was just Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, so the, the, you felt yeah, it captured it. the time period for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, so it, I was thrilled because baseball in and of itself is one of the most boring games in the world, except in movies <laughs> except with, in when they know how to, pro- <laughs> like, let's cut this down from three boring hours to like I'm 20 a baseball minutes. Fan, but yeah. to, to 20 very exciting minutes. <laughs> yeah. Every pitch. Yeah. Um, which I think can't you do that if you bought like an MLB subscription? You can watch the games after, and they cut yeah, out think, all the crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you got twenty minutes, watch the the Yankees and the Brewers. I'm a big major league fan. Yeah, uh, I think it's a I think it's a good sports movie. It's not again, it's a surface level movie. It's not a yeah. uh, you know a deep 80, dive into humanity, but as a comedy, yeah, but at the, sports for the, but for the final action, the final game, yeah, that was pretty movie, great, like build up, mm-hmm. And this was the same thing, if not better. Yeah. Cause this one you had, I think a lot more psychologically and emotionally going on there. Yeah. There's, there's more at stake for the characters that you've been following yeah. and you're, you don't, you don't know where you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You, it's not like you're even taking sides. Like, Dottie versus Kit. I mean, that's the that's a, that's what we've been building toward. You didn't even yeah. know it was going to come until. I mean, she literally gets traded right before the montage, the World Series montage. Like, she's been off the team for you know through, throughout the whole playoffs. We don't even have to see it. We just watch headlines. Yeah, and we know. And the tension had been building between them for so long. And they had that blowout fight, and it's so real and it's so authentic. Like these sisters finally like. Is Dot, like Dottie never apologizing for being the prettier, faster, more talented, and then Kit, who would love to have all of what she has, and Dottie rejects it. Dottie doesn't want to play baseball. Like yeah. she loves it, but she's made her choice. Right. And Kit, like, it drives Kit crazy. You mean like someone's wasting their talent? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and then they they just go. So anyway. Well, and and to what you said earlier about how well they had to play baseball. Yeah. If you watch that, the, so I watched the same documentary that Penny did. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's it's on Amazon Prime. It's Check called A League of Their Own. Oh, right, right, right. It's, it's uh, about it's a little under 30 minutes. And it's a it was filmed in 1986 at a reunion that they had. Mm. 
for you know everyone who's still alive for I think it was a 40th uh, roughly a 40th anniversary yeah and in the movie it's depicted as the you know, the hall of when they go to to uh, Cooperstown yeah at the end yeah and so in reality this was the it was ba- that didn't really happen it was yeah. done as the as the reunion mm-hmm. uh, but they these these ladies were first of all they were super tough yeah like they were they were very tough characters um they were amazing ball players watching the footage they they look exactly you know they look a lot like major league baseball mm-hmm. it's it's really incredible that they were as talented as they were uh it's just it's just really awesome to see that that this even happened at all yeah I, I have to. I I'm gonna have to fire that up just to see like something that was ha- that had happened 70 years ago. Yeah. That these you know women with this raw talent that refined it to become these professionals and they're playing as hard as as any anyone. Uh, that's got to be something else. It's, yeah. It's kind of kind of be otherworldly in a sense. It, well, it's it's kind of yeah. It's kind of an alternate reality because yeah. they're talking about some of their crazy like road stories and how they were going from town to town and they had multiple, you know, guys at each town. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. They, and like they would get into trouble because sometimes the guys would find out about each other and it's like wow. It's, this is classic. This yeah. is classic. Just Class, sports. Regular baseball. It's regular athletes <laughs> just living their athlete, athlete life yeah. <laughs> on the road. But uh, but th- there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on these ladies. I mean, they were they were asked to come in, mm-hmm. and with the potential that they were going to, if necessary, replace Major League Baseball. If yeah it got to a point where there wasn't enough, you know, decent players yeah. for ma- for the MLB to be an attraction. Mm-hmm. So this was, there's a, you know, they, they were the whole point of sports, professional sports at the time during world war two is to really take your mind off of the war and everything that was going on and the loss that was happening. Uh, so for these ladies to come in and tr- have to try to take that mantle on top of, basically dropping their previous lives being thrust into this which many of them wanted to do it wasn't like they were forced into it this was the, this was their chance though if they ever wanted to do this yeah um you know it become great at what they were doing and then with the potential that it was going to be like a switch just turned off at any moment yeah they had to be ready for that and just go back to their old life as if it never happened right and I, I love that Lowenstein in the movie comments on that when it when it seemed like after the first season it was going to be gone. Yeah, and he's like, "This is what we're going to do to the, the when the men come home. Like everyone who picked up the rivets, <laughs> the river, and all that. We're we're just going to make them go back to the kitchen. Right. Like just just that brief little like, don't you see? Like yeah. don't you don't like yeah the writing's on the wall, and it happens. Like that that's just that acknowledgement of of what happened. Yeah, that women had to do right for their country to do, you know, uh, play their part and they get to do the things that they weren't traditionally allowed to do. And then once men come back, it's like, well, that's not your place. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so tragic. Yeah, like, it really is because this kind of bled into the one of the, one of the most sexist periods of time in American history in the 1950s. Yeah. So this, in in reality, the All American Girls Professional Ball League 
it lasted, like we said, about 11 years. So it wasn't just like the next year they turned it off. Right. But it, it did kind of wind down. Yeah. And uh, then there was, you know, then it was all about the men, the men who were, they were home from the war. They were in charge. They were heroes. They were honored. Yeah. Like, you know, the everyone. women, like you don't need to recognize them for anything that they did. Yeah. Because it's all about the men. Well, not in like, yeah, not in any kind of legitimate, like it wasn't from the highest ranks. Like it was not legitimate. I mean, sure, there's a lot of honor in in smaller ways, but certainly not the way the history books are sort of written. Yeah, you know, just sort of, um, yeah, it's just a. It's fun. we should have had a female guest star on this episode. I know, right? I know, we should. Have. I don't know any women. <laughs> you don't know a single one. It's not, crazy. Not one. Like <laughs> shit. They're amazing. They're great. You really, should, you should really I try should, and meet one. Just, should, just to, just to talk. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've only, I've, I see them in movies all the time. I just can't imagine. Uh, but so, anyway, going back to Penny, uh, yeah. nineteen eighty-seven. She sees this documentary, and knows that this is a, this is a story that needs to be told. Right. It took about five years, four years before it actually kind of got off the ground and got going. Yeah. She contacted the. Uh, the producers of the League of Their Own documentary, uh, Kim Wilson and Kelly Candelay. Uh, she, she hooked them up with friends of hers, some famous writers, uh, Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, who did some huge movies, yeah. uh, and wanted them to kind of work together to flesh out a story. Uh, Lowell and Babalu had just done huge, some huge comedies throughout the 80s. They did Night Shift, Splash, Spies Like Us, Gung Ho, The Money Pit, Vibes, that's a movie, uh-huh. Parenthood, and then City Slickers Jesus. was kind of their run. That's a, that's a solid That's run. all before A League of Their Own. Holy like, cow. That is like mega hit after mega hit after mega hit. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so they were I probably, you know, in the top top four comedy writers in, in America at the time. No kidding. Uh, so they they kind of put together a story, started pitching it around. Originally, Penny wanted to do it at Fox. Fox turned it down. Dummies. They were way too busy getting Alien 3 all screwed up. <laughs> way too busy. <laughs> We've already got a female-driven, female-led movie, and we're going to fuck it all up to hell. I enjoyed Alien 3. I do too, but compared to what had come previous, <laughs> if you look at Alien Three on its own, oh, yeah. it's fine, totally it's fine, fine. Yeah, when you compare it to the two that came before, right? Just that's fair. a whole separate show. Fair, right? fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Sony agreed to make the movie, so Thank they you, were Sony. Yeah, and then they they kind of greenlit it. Nineteen ninety one, they went into production. Uh, the casting process started. And that was another key part of the movie was was finding the actors that could fill all these roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina Davis, who had just come off of, uh, she did Quick Change with our oh. our pal Bill Murray. Great movie, a lot of fun. Yeah, and then Thelma and Louise. Yeah. So that was her launch to, uh, and obviously, like we had said, Beetlejuice before that, so a few other films. Sure. Uh, that was her launch to Oscar level. Yeah. So this is the perfect timing for this movie to come along in her world segue right into another oscar level movie didn't win any didn't it wasn't nominated but it was that kind of a movie mm-hmm. uh and a great you know great performance for her which movie is that 
No, a League of Their Own. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant after this. No, no, no. From right. the transition from Thelma and Louise to a League of Their Own. Got it. Got it. Yeah. A Lori Petty, who was still kind of an up and coming actress, but she—you definitely needed somebody who was kind of a little scrappy. Yeah. Uh, scrappy is a good way to put her. Yeah. Scrappy. Yeah. That's what we call her. Well, especially <laughs> scrappy Petty. So if I say scrappy, I'm talking <laughs> about Lori Petty. Especially Gina Davis, who is is a tower. She commands like your attention yeah and she's tall and larry yeah. petty's short or comparatively yeah and it's just sort of like a nice balance they needed like a yin and yang yeah type of deal yeah it's weird because larry petty was in blackface the whole time <laughs> and gina davis was basically like an albino it's weird <laughs> uh Lori was coming off of cadillac man and point break Hey, I oh, yeah. i had forgotten that she was in there Point break yeah i don't think i'll ever watch that again Unless you we do will when show. we do it on this show. <laughs> but yeah, she wasn't, uh, definitely was not a household name. But yeah. I remember after watching this movie, she I I always remembered her after that. Yeah. And it was hard after A League of Their Own. I think it was, I think Hollywood had a hard time placing what roles would be right for her. Hmm. Uh, she usually found herself as like the quirky kind of crazy weirdo characters. Yeah, she yeah. excelled at those. And if anybody's seen Orange is the New Black, she's fantastic oh, in it. Is she in that? She is, yeah. Oh. She had a couple seasons of it. She's not in the first season, right? Not in the first season. Because I dipped after season one. Yeah. Come back to it. Bye. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no need. All good. <laughs> uh, we've got Madonna. You heard of her? Have you heard of that she one? She had like a couple of singles. She's, yeah. A couple, couple hit singles. Yep. Disappeared. Then, yeah. Wonderful. Seen her since '87. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like we said before. Great performance for her. Yeah, I love it because she's not. She isn't a scene stealer or anything like that. Like every all the girls that get time, they're all. She's 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 like everyone else, and like Madonna's becoming is a megastar in the night in '92. Like yeah, mega mega star. I mean, I, I was you know, uh, with her I was, tour and her documentaries and. Or everything well, con- like hit Concert. after hit after hit and all of her i mean so the fact that she's like in the dirt playing and essentially like you know and they capitalize on her like sexuality of the, the of her persona yeah that like even the so the joke when rosie o'donnell says do you think there are men in this country who's never seen your bosoms i mean that's just that's the type of that character it's, it's playing off of her real life but it's just sort of like that's a that's directly about madonna and it's just funny it's yeah. just a funny joke and but she's uh i don't for uh, there's not a single line in this movie that she has that takes me out of it no. that makes me feel like oh this is madonna you know yeah. um, she plays that she just plays that new york tough and and it doesn't has feel that like whole... she's acting like it feels like she is that character yeah which is the goal of any actor right uh great and she's got that great like sort of vulnerable monologue where she just goes off when it looks like the league shutting down yeah and all that i mean she she grid has a great performance yeah and she doesn't have she really is a supporting role yeah. she doesn't have uh, there's no dramatic arc for her character yeah she's just present she's just part of the team mm-hmm uh, but there's no, I mean, maybe they shot stuff that got cut out. I don't know. Apparently there's a four hour, original cut was like four hours long. And there are intense, insane like scenes that explain a lot. And there was a romantic subplot with Jimmy Dugan. And there was, there was more I, for everything. I had, a, I had a feeling that was in there. Yeah. But I, lo- I love how if you cut that out, you can keep the dramatic and the sexual tension between them. 
and that they're basically they're they're completely equal and that in a different time they would have been together well and it's funny because i i feel sexual tension on his part towards her Mm -hmm. i don't i didn't feel it from her towards him yeah, I, th- I think it's. Miles. I think it's a. I think it's like to me. It felt more of like a one way street mm-hmm. that he's he's kind of getting more and more into her, and she's not necessarily. She like, like. Yeah, he has to warm up to her, and then he becomes. Yeah, you can tell he's sort of enamored by her and impressed by her, and like he's trying. He he attempts to get closer to her. Yeah, um, and she keeps that just l- sort of a loving sort of friendship between them. It's not yeah. like. She's not like considering it the way they present it in, yeah. in the final cut, uh, but I think like the in the what was cut like they they had a kiss and like it was there's a whole subplot that's just not there anymore. Thank God that's that's out. But the, I mean Dottie's story so I th- but I think it it really informs Dottie's story because she apparently like her Bill Pullman plays her husband apparently that it was they were courting each other for five years and he got drafted and then they decided to get married immediately so that like it explains that Dottie just sort of made this choice. She's now the wife of this man. And like that, like she's chosen what her path is. doesn't matter what her passion is. And she doesn't, and I'm assuming it's like, she's not doing it like with regret, but it's, she knows that life is a series of choices. And once you make them, you know, you kind of have to live with them. And I, th- and that, it, that's throughout the movie with her and Kit. Like she, she, you know, she wants to leave the league. Bob comes back. So she, she was going to leave like, well, my husband's home. I, I have to go. Like, yeah. and she acknowledges that she's leaving and I'm with some sort of sadness, but that's the choice. Like it, it, it and she's unapologetic about it. She doesn't like, I, that's what's so great about Dottie. She just, she's just dotty. Like, yeah. Even and she just drives, she just drives the kit nuts. They're great dynamic between them. Yeah. Great, great dynamic between Dotty and kit and then Dotty and Jimmy Dugan, who, yeah. as we've already said, played by Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, interesting f- period of Tom's career. He had a couple of hits money. We mentioned splash money pit mm-hmm. big. Okay. He, Definitely had some not some non hits in there as well. Turner's Turner, coming off of Turner and Hooch mm-hmm. with the dog with the dog, Joe versus the volcano, <laughs> which is a very famous d- bomb of a movie. Yeah, that I have a very dear friend who absolutely loves it, <laughs> loves it, loves it. Yeah, I bet he's being many ironic. an argument has been had. Oh, many almost weekly. Oh, okay, you're still still going <laughs> all these years. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, mm-hmm. uh, just not a. That was another big, just big failure of a film. Mm. So this is not the Tom Hanks that we know now. This is just before that, and actually, this was probably kickstarted that that Tom Hanks because right after this, he did Philadelphia, which was his first Oscar, and then Forrest Gump, his second Oscar, mm-hmm. and Apollo 13, and then he was just A-level yeah. movies ever since Yeah, to this day. Where would you rank Dragnet in terms of the, 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 the sort of the down the downturn movies or sort of the, the up, you know, the bigger movies? Um, I think, it, well, Dragnet came out like during the downturn, but yeah. I think it was one of the better ones. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I need to, I need to see that again. I haven't seen it since. <laughs> That's true. I haven't seen it since I was like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. 
I remember thinking they're very funny together. Yeah. Dine Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. I, uh, those Tom Hanks and, and, and Dragnet was another character that I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's super cool. <laughs> he's so cool. Super cool. Um, but then uh, also with uh, Rosie O'Donnell just come, comes in in this film. Yeah. This is her first big movie. Yeah. And uh, she's so so great her and madonna i mean obviously they became you can tell they were, they became real friends yeah because the the chemistry between them is just undeniable yeah she was a stand-up comedian and I, she was an mtv vj wasn't she for a little while I think she vj'd a little bit yeah. yeah yeah so she was a personality definitely young people knew who she was you know that stand-up life you know she's a rising star in that world yeah and then uh i'm i don't know exactly like how many TV appearances or film appearances before this? But this was star. This was kind of star making for her. You know, this really oh, yeah. up, up yeah. her, up her status. Yeah. Um, so you've got a couple of actors here who this is their big, you know, kind of their big break. Mm-hmm. Lori Petty, Madonna, as far as acting goes, mm-hmm. and uh, and Rosie O'Donnell. But we've got a lot of other great, great character or great character actors in in here. We've got. John Lovitz, really yeah. funny role. Yeah. Totally sexist, but kind of intentionally, yeah. like showing that the harsh world that they were kind of entering. Yeah. Like, and every line is just hysterical, hysterical Lovitz. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. You, they've finally, finally crafted jokes. Yeah. With I, you know, that's probably, you know, him rewriting a lot of whatever, whatever they had. Well, supposedly, like, he's one of the few characters, his character is one of the few that they wrote intending to get Lovitz to play it apparently right so like well, especially I'm sure, at, yeah yeah I'm sure he gave it a spin but especially at this time I mean he's he's at the prime of his career he's yeah. you know just coming off of Saturday Night Live a long run there yeah so so no Lovitz uh wonderful short you know guest <laughs> yeah supporting role uh in there Bill Pullman our friend from Independence Day mm-hmm. which you can listen to in the archives mm-hmm. uh who I think he'd only really his only big movies had been Spaceballs and Serpent and the Rainbow. I think by this point, that could be right. But he's back to kind of his flat, not much personality. What are you talking about, Pullman? <laughs> yeah, you know, just general like sort of a blah male role. Just kind of a blah. It didn't dude. have to be played by him. I, I felt like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Megan Cavanaugh is another one of the uh, baseball players. Yeah, who she was who was she in it? Uh, blanking on the character. I'm totally just blanked on her name too. Why am I? Uh, she, Marla, the, she played Marla. Marla, uh, yeah, the big Marla. hitter. Yeah, and like just the, I love that you get two just two or three just great jokes about her appearance because it's it's just funny like. And you know, a male director doing that would have some sort of sting to it, you know. But Pe- the way Penny Marshall would do a, a physical gag about how Marla looks and acts and everything, real funny. Uh, and yeah, she does a. Megan was wonderful in that. Yeah, well, I'm just I'll, loving this movie. By the well, way, <laughs> can you tell? I'm just complimenting everything. <laughs> and the the introduction scene for her with her and her dad, where yeah, you know, she's this amazing hitter, but it, it doesn't matter because Lovitz is trying to hire attractive women for this yeah. league and, and her talent level doesn't matter, right. but they kind of force it through. Yeah. The, uh, well, Lori Petty and Gina Davis, just, yeah. they immediately, without even questioning, they both like, 
they're not going unless they take they're, her because yeah, they need a ball player. Yeah, and maybe they're you know they, maybe they're beautiful, but but they're in it to play. Yeah, they don't care. Like they they acknowledge like what just because she's not pretty, and then Marla's saying, "I know those girls are prettier than me." Da 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 da, and it's just sort of like pretty is just one thing you can be, or not. Yeah, but there's so much more uh, to the to to these women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, David Strathairn is great as Lowenstein, who's yeah. kind of in charge of the league, mm-hmm. assigned by Gary Marshall's character. Gary Marshall. Uh, Mr. Harvey Barr. Yes. The fictionalized Wrigley. Yeah, he uh, was. Uh, P.K. Wrigley was the from Wrigley's Gum, yeah. the gum franchise. Now, I have to say, in the 80s and 90s, I, for a very long time, I never thought about it, didn't know the truth, but. Honest to God, I thought Gary Marshall was Penny Marshall's father. Now they're about. T- I can see they're that. like nine years apart. He just always seemed older. I think maybe my well, brain. Well, because you you probably were I, thinking of her as Laverne. Yeah, kind of, like that's how I lock in. Like, yeah, she's Laverne, so she seems youthful, and he always seemed a little older. And certainly the way he car- sort of carries himself in that New York way is just sort of like. And I, honestly, I, it was probably like. I think like in two like the year two thousand, I was like, oh, they're they're brother siblings. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and he was great, Gary. We talked sure. about that already. Yeah. Uh, I've I've met Gary before, and he's oh. a super super nice guy. Oh, great! Couldn't have been any nicer. I, I wish I had the chance to to work with him more. But, yeah. Um, he's good in this role as kind of just the asshole owner of the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, and he's not too, you know, he's he's just a businessman. He's he's charming in his own way. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a business to him, and his business was baseball. And yeah. if the guys were coming home, that was he was just going to go back to the way it was. Yeah, yeah. Not thinking that this could also be a a business that went along with that. Mm-hmm. So Strathairn's Lowenstein tries to kind of get him to change his mind. Yeah, and keep it going. Is it Strathairn? I don't. Strathern. I always said Strathairn, but Stra- I don't. Strathairn. I'm not correcting you. I was like, I always think David Strathairn. I think my emphasis is in a different spot. Sure. All right. We, we forgive you. We in the audience. If I'm wrong, the audience and I forgive you. All right. Let me know. Or I'm wrong, and please forgive David me. David Strathairn. Oh, that's a that just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Let's just call him Strath. Strathman. Yeah. If you were gonna be harsh on the movie. There's a couple of things that they do. You know, we mentioned that they, they do gloss over yeah. a few things. They they don't really focus on the struggle to get to this point, how mm-hmm. hard it was, and then how hard it was to stay in the league, how they had to deal. They kind of just reference the fans teasing them. Yeah. You see it in a couple of montages, yeah. and they just kind of laugh it off. Yeah. That's not reality. You know, that's, sure. that's the, a really deeply emotional uh difficult thing they had to deal with on a recurring basis yeah um you'd have yeah. to there's a lot of draw you know emotional uh reaction to being heckled by the people who come to pay to see you yeah and uh what that would do but it's just kind of like what do you what do you put in this film and still like maintain interest and so like yeah that you cut you leave that out like and you know the, well, that was the, the choice Penny made and, and the style that she was going with yeah. for this movie. She but, didn't want to put that tone on it. Yeah, the, like the women show their vulnerabilities in in being people and not necessarily like the oppressed. Yeah, women of yeah. society. Like, there's less of that message of 
the overall thing, they're still vulnerable human beings. Like everyone's got their vulnerability in this, like and even Jimmy and Lowenstein who don't, you know, like the men are the bit players in this film. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like things yes. happen around them. <laughs> well, that's, that's one thing that bugged me about the marketing of this movie. Yeah. When you watch the trailer for this movie, when you look at the poster for this movie, yeah. what are they about? Like Tom, Tom Hanks. It's a Tom Co- Hanks movie. He's managing this team of women. Yep. Team of girls. It's he's all over the trailer. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, watching that, it's I would expect it to be a movie about him as a coach. Yeah. The uh, poster, he's dead center, mm-hmm. top billing. Mm-hmm. It's that that drives me crazy. Yeah. Because it's it's not his movie. No, he's the, he's a great strong supporting character, but he is not. He's and not. I get I get why Madonna's on the on the cover because yeah. huge mega star at the time you kind of for marketing purposes you want her, her there but yeah. I mean it should have been Lori Petty yeah honestly like yeah. or it should have been all of them Rosie O'Donnell you know could have been on there yeah but no they wanted to sell it with the, th- the three biggest names in Hollywood at that yeah. time yeah. you know in entertainment and it's Hanks Madonna and Gene Davis yeah. It's it's just unfortunate that especially the trailer that yeah. that was pushed like that. Yeah, marketers marketing. Can't, yep, and I'm sure that uh, that side of it wasn't something Penny could really control. Usually, no. the marketing of a movie is out of a director's hands. So yeah. The movie's already done by then. So. Yeah, her job is done. Yeah. She the, the product is what, what has to be sold now. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the job of the studios. Uh, but going back to the struggle that that they would have gone through, like Kit when she's signing autographs at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of like overly encouraging, like just try hard and play good ball, and you're gonna, you know, mm-hmm. you'll make it. Yeah, like no, nah, it's gonna take a hell of a lot more than that to to get where they've got. Yeah, but what do you say to a? I mean, I, I get it, but what do you say to a kid, yeah. right? Like, but yeah, yeah, life right. sucks. And just hand like, the ball back. You're gonna to have to work twice as hard, ha- twice as long, you know that, yeah. or whatever. So it's just like, okay, like the 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 harsh realities of of this story, you know, don't get to take center stage. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's at a detriment. But yeah, yeah. It, it does. Yeah, like these are things that it's missing, things that lack, that uh, would be part of the overall tapestry of this story. Yeah, they hint at the segregation that was still going on that was and that was a part of this league yeah uh when you see the uh, couple of african-american people there mm-hmm. and there's just kind of a hint that oh they could they could play ball yeah but they weren't allowed to yeah so it's funny and i, I this is part of like because this is a movie from when i was 12 and i grew up in a pretty white place and like I and and typically when I watch media today, I I can I'll always notice any modern thing. I'm like, this is kind of white. Like there's like a lot of white people and stuff. And it just never occurred to me until I I'm like, oh wait a minute, Jesus, you forgot you didn't do don't you remember? There's no black people in this. There's yeah. no people of color in this. Yeah, and yeah. it has to. Sh- we were we were keeping track of it when I was rewatching it. Like, oh, there's really? a couple in the crowd. Yeah, you know, but other than that moment. Yeah, you know, but so but it's a powerful I, again, scene and powerful message in that, and that, they actually t- hold on it a beat to like let it sink in. Yeah, but the, I get it; it's not the story they were telling. It wasn't a part of the the yeah. story that that Penny was going for. Right, so. but a nice acknowledgement. Yeah, you know, 
yeah, could have been, you know, could have been more of a part part of it, but yeah. that's making it a different movie. Maybe in the four hour supercut, you know, the supercut. Uh, so yeah, those are just a couple of things that if you if you want to kind of break it apart a little bit, then yeah. some other stuff that was uh, going on there. Uh, what was I? Uh, I had a comment. I lost it. <clears throat> no, I just love this movie. That's <laughs> no, perfect. <laughs> you want to talk some bo? How the movie do right? Big money, right? Big. We've money. talked 1992 before. We have, yes. With our old Batman Returns. Batman Returns, right around this time period. Yeah. Which you can find in the archives, www.reconsinimation.com. In the archives. But yeah, no, it was the top 10th for the year, I think. Yeah, well, it had a budget of $40 million. They shot it from July to October of 91, all over the place, really. They shot it in California, Illinois, Indiana. New York, up in Cooperstown. Yep. Uh, they shot at many different baseball stadiums. So they were kind of all over, all across the map. Mm-hmm. The movie came out July 1st, 1992. It had a $13.7 million opening, $107 million domestic gross, $132 million worldwide. Yeah. So it did better domestically than it did worldwide. I think it was... You know, I don't know if this movie was real marketable world. You know, all across the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a really specific American story. Yeah, not that, beca- yeah. not necessarily because it's a, a female driven movie. No, but it's because just it's American ba- American baseball. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Piece. Yeah. So, but uh, true or false, John? Uh, a League of Their Own is the number three highest grossing baseball movie of all time. True or false? I want to say false. No, what do you think it is? What's number three, or do I? What do I think? No, what do you? <laughs> where do you think this ranks in terms of box office dollars? I, I kind d- of want to say number one. It is number one. Yeah, right. like the, of all the baseball movies that exist, this movie made the most, which I didn't realize until I looked it up. Yeah, and that's fan- that's fantastic. Yeah, as it should be to this day. I mean, this is this is how many years? I don't want to say how many years ago this was, but. Many, but it's twenty-seven years ago. This the one that came closest was forty-two, which I really enjoyed that movie, which only came out what five years ago. Yeah, something like About, that. Yeah, but uh, and Major League wasn't up there. Major League, like I mean, it goes like the top five or forty-two after that. After it, Moneyball, The Rookie, Feel the Dreams, Benchwarmers. Where did Major League was tenth? Like Ooh. Major League only made fifty, not even fifty million. Uh, wow, when it came out. In well, '89, yeah. but I mean, this 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 had some legs. Like, it, oh yeah, this lasted through the summer. It, it had to deal with the other summer movies. Yeah, it was it, like Batman it, Returns came out, yep. which is gonna, you know, well, challenge. you're dealing with a franchise, we, which we talked about on that show, yeah. a, a major franchise character. That's that's a big, uh, like these days, you know, nobody's gonna open up up against your favorite franchise, your Marvel movies. So it's just the yeah. dominant mm-hmm. uh, figure there, but. It opened up at number two behind Batman Returns, and then it just beat out Boomerang, Eddie ah, Murphy's Boomerang. Eddie Murphy's Boomerang. Uh, but week two, it was number one, so it did it did get there. Yeah, it had it had the legs. People were going to go see this. Yeah, uh, it had lasting power. It was number ten, like you said, in 1992, uh, and it eventually in 2012 it got inducted into the National Film Registry. So, mm-hmm. officially, an important movie. 
That means it's a movie. Yeah. The film registry registers as a film that was made at some point <laughs> and should and can be watched. And it's culturally important. Oh, okay. Tomorrow. Got yeah. it. All right. All right. So if everything burns down, That's there's going to be a bunker somewhere underground with a bunch of movies in it. <laughs> the film League of Their Own will be one of them. <laughs> I wonder if Batman Returns is as well. <laughs> I think Batman and Robin will be down there. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> But people love this movie, right? Yeah, people loved it. Critics loved it. It was kind of all across the board. A uh, very positive, uplifting movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really had too much bad to say about it. It's really enjoyable. So, the story's solid. It, you, you're with the characters throughout. Like, there's no reason not to, unless you're looking for things that, you know, you if you take issue that certain things weren't prioritized or something or wasn't featured in this story, you know, you're sort of avoiding... Like this is very one way to tell this story through that comedic lens of Penny Marshall. You know, yeah. you, you could have told this story ten different ways with these characters, and uh, she chose to like have you come along for the ride and enjoy it, like celebrate the the great parts of all of it. Yeah. Instead of you know, and there's acknowledgement of the bad, but let's let's just plow through about the greatness. Yeah. What it meant. You know what baseball means, because oh, thematically, for you know what baseball means to people is such an American thing, and uh, especially you know, and the the baseball films are male dominated. Like we know, men play baseball. Like this is part of the culture of fathers and sons playing catch, like being on a team with other boys. Like f- you know, so you're socializing, you're discovering who you are and where you relate, and then it introduces you to the sort of the hierarchy. Like when you're kind of you're kind of bad. You're like lower in the batting order when you're a kid, you know, you're mm-hmm. not, or whatever. If yeah. you're not, if you can't hit as well, there's so much about baseball that is quite American. Um, and then to have this film, this is where these women find the passion for baseball. That I mean, they, they're not just playing it because it's fun. They they they, love they, it. they have the passion as much as any male player. Um, and it's like you know, you do it because you love it. I once got into an argument with someone who. I don't understand why people play football when they could just play baseball, which is like, okay, that's not even the same. That's not in the same realm. But I mean, it's just like any athlete, like they love the sport. Yeah. Well, why would, you know, and the part of the reasoning of why, but why would they risk their bodies and risk them? Like, because they love it. Like they don't care. I mean, this, it might be flawed thinking in your eyes, but you know, passion for sports and these things, you can't take that away from people. Yeah. Once they touch it, the people who are, uniquely talented um i don't know so to have these women spotlighted spot lit <laughs> is that right that's uh, a word yeah. <laughs> um we made it so you know th- i think that's what's enduring about it and i think that's why people love it yeah it's great you can sit down and watch it with friends family people yeah. who've never seen it i think everyone's gonna enjoy it yeah obviously it, we feel like it works today it's okay to you know what i was talking about earlier about 90s films I think it's okay to go back and enjoy just a sweet, sentimental, straightforward movie that doesn't have all these twists and turns. It's it's on, you know, on or just below the surface. You don't have a deep psychological head trip kind of going on. Yeah, I think it's okay to just put everything away and enjoy a movie. Yeah, and that's what this is. Yeah, and it's uh, and enjoying it as as a whole. and not because it's like mindless or anything. Like yeah. it's not just entertainment. Well, you're still you're still learning. I mean, just the 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 plot itself. You're learning about history. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's framed through these people. If not for this movie, 
people wouldn't know about the All-American uh, Girls Professional Baseball League. Yes. So, yeah. I think it's an it's an important film. It's it, uh, this has got to be her legacy film, right? Oh yeah, this is it. It's it's this and big. Yeah. You know, those are those are her she's got a great body of work, you know, like we said before, go back, check it out, check out Laverne and Shirley, check out Awakenings, check out some of her other stuff. Jumpin' Jack Flash is, is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, she was a really important, Penny Marshall was a really important voice at a time where there were, were so few female directors, mm-hmm. especially major film directors. Uh, so it, it's, it's an, it's important to see what she did. Yeah. And what she kind of set up for future filmmakers to follow. Yeah. Yeah, she set the bar. Yeah. You know. And the, and for her to be the first woman to achieve $200 million movies, like, she was the first one to achieve $100 million as and a then, female director. Yeah. And then she did it again. Yeah. Three, two years, uh, six years later? Yeah. Or no? When was big? 86? No, uh, that was 88. 88. Yeah. So, you know, so her fourth movie, her yep. second and fourth movie, she, like, that, good. that just shows that she, where, how in touch she was with, like, American ideals. Yeah. And her sensibility of comedy. Yeah. So, uh, guys, take a minute. If you haven't rewatched this movie in a while, watch it again. Give it a rent. Get rented for yeah. $3. Stream it. Yeah. Borrow it from a friend. Act it out with other friends. <laughs> write it write an adaptation for your your high school play i know they tried they did try a sitcom version of this show yeah which, we're in which, for a season right <laughs> not even it was like six or seven episodes uh, okay. didn't work so yeah. only a few of the actors came back for it yeah but i think you could i think you could do a really solid like hbo show you know version of this now yeah maybe with the way almost like features are becoming these uh, limited series mm-hmm. on cable. I think you could do a, a really good version of this. Yeah, maybe I'll go. I'll go pitch that. Pitch it. Yeah. Let's go into the. Let's let's march over to the HBO headquarters. Look, all right. Let, we'll just. Let's, I have a key. I'll. We'll take. Okay. And yeah. we'll take your car. Yeah. So you drive. Right. Maybe we should. Why don't we? Let's wrap this up. We'll okay. head. Yeah. We'll get in the. Get in the, in the Johnny mobile. The Johnny mobile. That's what I call. Yeah. It. <laughs> The Johnny Mobile. But thank you guys for listening. We hope you uh, enjoyed our little tribute to Penny, the great Penny Marshall and a league of their own. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got uh, some great shows coming up as we continue through the beginning of 2019. It's going to be a great year for the show. Uh, Again, check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play Music, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You'll find us. Yeah, you'll find us. Give us a rating, a review. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will. Uh, we want to thank all our listeners all over the world. And we hope you guys are having a happy new year. Stay tuned. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks with our very next show. Cool. Bye now. <laughs>